From points across California, you're listening to the Disneyland edition of the Diz Unplugged. Hello and welcome to the Diz Unplugged Disneyland edition, episode 499, for the week of September 20th, 2015. I am your host and Disney historian for the Diz Unplugged, Michael Bowling. This week, I'm continuing my conversation with Ben Harris on his days working at Disneyland. Ben, the last time we were together, we talked about the events you had planned. Now, I know one of the most entertaining grand openings I ever saw, uh, I've seen the tape for it and all that, was the Pirates of the Caribbean grand opening. And... <laughs> I mean, in fact, I just saw it. It was um, Tony Baxter just did a presentation at the Walt Disney Family Museum, and he showed that opening as um, part of his presentation on the on Vintage Disneyland. So, and you were involved in that. Well, uh, if if you look at the first part of the segment, as we're going, as the pirates are stuff, and we're up on the boat, see a guy in a white outfit, like that, a white shirt, stuff like that. That's myself. Oh, uh, we. Uh, uh, Tommy Walker uh, left the company in mid July. Uh, he had worked a little bit on it, but uh, my boss, uh, after Walt gave us special permission to do the fireworks show on July 4th at Anaheim Stadium, uh, and after Tommy had worked on uh, the opening of uh, we New Orleans Square had been open for a week and a half, a soft opening. That's not unusual. Then you have the grand opening after, you know, you get going. So we, we had, uh, Walt coming back and we found out that the time that he and the mayor of New Orleans could, could be together. And that was the 24th of, of July in 1966. And, uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, was, they had, had installed it. They had worked on it. They had done some tests. And uh, they let us know uh, on about five or six days ahead of time that they that the show was ready to go to show. Uh, they invited the press out on the 24th for the dedication of It's a Small World, or the, the dedication of New Orleans Square, and a preview of Pirates of the Caribbean. We put together, uh, what can we do? And Wally Bogue and a whole bunch of extras from the studio stuntmen decided that what we would do, you know, we don't like to cut ribbons anymore since the time of trying to get the vice president to cut the ribbon of the monorail in 59. Cutting ribbons wasn't our things. It was doing something else. So we wanted to bust open the doors. Uh, the bust open the doors of the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. And in order to do that, we needed to, to have pirates and stuff around. So between Wally and Chuck Corson and a whole bunch of people, the idea, let's stage and bring all the press and put the press on the Columbia. We'll make the Columbia like it's a ship under attack. We put them on the dock at the Mark Twain dock. Uh, it's on, it's got all kinds of, Guys up in the rigging, which is all new, and, and the stuntmen have tried out, and we had a rehearsal the night before. 
and Wally Bogue as the big pirate captain and three or four others. And we put some cannons, small cannons on their fire. Wally, as, as we're leaving the dock of the, of the, with, in the Columbia to go on that same route because it's on a rail going around and back. There's the fight on the water and there's, we're attacked by these two boats down there. They start climbing aboard. Little do us do we know that some of these people that we thought were really stowaways and they change and rip off their clothes and now they're, they're the pirates and, uh, they climb aboard. Two or three of them fall into the water. They were shot into the water. There's a couple of sword fights uh, and there's a bunch of serving winches going around, uh, uh, that are captured women that were captured. Uh, and they are the golden horseshoe dancers and some tour guides and some hostesses and some others that are dressed up in period costumes. And, and these girls are forced to uh, break open the drum and serve the, the rum uh, to the, uh, the pirates. Well, it, it was, they break open these kegs and, and they didn't serve them from that because that was just uh, colored water in there. But the cameras, the, uh, the 16 millimeter and uh, handheld Aries 35 millimeter cameras are covering this. And then as we come back in, the pirates corral all of the press and start taking them over towards their city where they're going to sack the city, which is where Pirates of the Caribbean is. And uh, there's a couple of guards marching back and forth and they get fired on and there's a sword fight, stuff like that. And then the pirates find this old log that just happens to be over there, and they go bust open the doors, hit the doors. Now, these are breakaway doors that were set up for that. And then, boom, the doors open, and then we announce the pirates is ready to receive you. And and the press and the special guest march into the pirate ride. Walt and the mayor are on the dock inside because they had come in from the Blue Bayou exit side. They're in there, and Walt gets uh, makes a little speech and talks about uh, that that he's seeing this for the first time since uh, the, the previews and this installation. So and so, he hopes they enjoy it, that kind of stuff. And uh, off they go, and it's about eight or nine bus loads or uh, boat loads go in because there was about seventy people, eighty people, and and a few others. I had been on it uh, with two or three others a couple of times earlier in the day when we were going through rehearsals. But the press comes out. They go in to the Blue Bayou because you come out the exit. You can go right into the Blue Bayou restaurant. And here it's set up with a beautiful menu for them. And there's a little soft uh, Dixie uh, scatter band uh, playing the, the spoons and playing the saws and a beautiful auto harp up on the balcony, this soft music in there and there to enjoy their lunch. And I just went in and welcomed them. I was just asked to go up and just to welcome them in there. And fortunately, I didn't say that Walt would be in to talk to him. <laughs> that was the general plan. And uh, we were working on uh, this at the back of the theater, at the back of the area by the big tree that had a swing in it and the pretty girl just swinging back and forth in her beautiful antebellum dance or uh, dress. And uh, 
it's all going well. And then Walt's back over there with a few of the people. <laughs> and, uh, I get, I get the call uh, on a thing that, uh, we're not going to open it. Uh, uh, Walt wants you to make an announcement or somebody, you know, they, they said me, they want you to make an announcement. I didn't know if it was Walt or who, but Walt was with them and they were over there and Jack Lindquist just gave me, uh, most of these press people know you anyway and you've already been up there or whatever it was. Just say that they've had a sneak preview. All of New Orleans Square remains open. Uh, the blue bayou here will, will not open because it's part of the show and the scenery and there's some, uh, some adjustments that Walt wants to make. And I, and I said, what does he want me to tell me? You know, what, and just go up and stuff, but reassure them that all the people will continue in their jobs, go back to their jobs that they had as they work out these issues and they will make it bigger, more exciting, uh, when it, when it finally does open. Well, of course, Walt wouldn't see it. We thought it would be just a month or so. Right. This was the 24th. So I just go up and make the announcement, went up there and, and, and pat the microphones, said, hi guys, you having fun so far? You know, just, just something to, to loosen them up. And, and they all were looking at the menus and, and what the appetizers that they had and stuff. And I said, we, we invite you to sit back and relax and a full meal. Um, we, we have given you a really a special preview, a special preview that Walt thought was important to give you of what he has created here. Uh, and, uh, we know that you'll be excited when you're invited back. We don't know exactly when yet, but we have a few little things to work out. The fire, maybe it's the fireflies and the sound or that, uh, the brick over there, a few little, little adjustments here and there, especially with the sound levels, because they told me, especially with the sound levels, because when you saw these individually at the studio or in the makeup, you would see one at a time. But now they would bleed into each other and stuff, mm-hmm. and the boat. And, and didn't, I didn't go in that. But hey, it's it's special. And uh, after dinner, we'll hand out a special flyer or special some special materials. Uh, you know, Jack and the staff will be handing that out. That and got a, a little applause and stuff like that. And then I just went around to a few tables, and and Jack went around to a few tables, and uh, they were all happy. And we got very good press out of it. Great. Now, you had mentioned earlier that, you know, Walt had told you the reason he built Disneyland was for families. But he also made sure that he had activities for the families to build the families of the cast members as well. Oh, we were we were so fortunate. Uh, and uh, the cast activities during the wintertime. We had the Disneyland Bowling League. And you had directors, managers, supervisors, all levels working in there, taking over the Freeway Bowl those first few years and the Brookhurst Bowl later on, where you had uh, male and female, five-man team. You had to be one woman. And on Monday was the Scratch League. On Tuesday, because we were close, was the Handicap League. And then we had a big banquet at the end of the year uh, over at the German-American Club. Uh, or at the Disneyland Hotel. But uh, this was co-sponsored, uh, an activity where you'd be out there with, uh, with with people that work there and family members 
uh, on, on the bowling team. And, and then in the summer, the big activity was the slow pitch softball team that you had. And each land would have a couple of teams. The, the champions were always the parking lot. Uh, as long as I can remember, we would play the games in the old, uh, uh, holiday land over there had a nice baseball diamond. And, um, uh, until about 1962, we used holiday land. Then after that, we would use the small or the little league baseball lounge or diamond that was over where the Disneyland hotel is right now where the, uh, the, the, the last hour that mm-hmm. there was a whole bunch of vacant land over there and the little league was there for about four years. But at the end of the summer, the champions, and they would always, the jungle crews, would play management. Now, what a management team we had. We had Nunes at shortstop. We had Bob Riley at the pitcher, um, Nunes's assistant and later general manager or director of the general services. I was the catcher. Jack Ader was at first base. Gary Conk in finance was at shortstop. And Jim Pasilla. Uh, would play short field or he would come in because he was a better shortstop than Nunes because he was semi pro player and he was the new personnel guy. But we had a, and Penfield and Holsher and Sullivan and, and, and Ader and, uh, so many, there were 20 members of management from various areas that uh, w- would play. And sometimes it was a two out of three. Then, then we had the, uh, Spring tonics at springtime with the fantasy theater. They would do a silly thing of shows, uh, in, uh, like you would do at a college, like a college tonic, but it would be auditions and people who had acts and who could sing or who would do skits. And, and the funny ones were where people would, men would dress up like women and vice versa mm-hmm. and do the, the drag routines. And then we had the big nighttime activities on Tuesdays and Wednesday nights. Uh, where else can you come in when the park's closed and bring your family the main gate, show your pass, walk down the main street into the fantasy theater, buy popcorn for a nickel, uh, and watch five or six Disney movies or cartoons and some features, the, the nature's half acre or nature's wonderland, uh, beaver valley, bear country, and then one of the Disney classics. Wow. These shows only came out every seven years, mm-hmm. and no, and you couldn't see them in theater, and you didn't have all the stuff that you have today, so you could see, and it was free, <laughs> and it was camaraderie thing. The uh, the softball, the DRC money came from all the vending machines that were throughout all the break areas. All that money Walt insisted go uh, to fund the DRC. And, and they would match that for the most part on programs. And Christmas, you had the big Christmas party. The uh, last day that we were closed, uh, before we opened in November or before in November, about the last week of November, we would start going back to seven days a week. Well, the Christmas party, you got Christmas passes where you'd get a discount and you could come in and it was an admission. And also you got mailed complimentary tickets every year at that time. But also they threw that big party where from four o'clock until about 10 o'clock on, on the date that was closed, all supervision at the stu, well, at the studio, 
at WED uh, and at the park, guys that had grown up and in, in from supervision and into supervision would go back and work in their areas. Bill Sullivan uh, was a, was a tour guide uh, doing the spiel <laughs> doing the spiel uh, on Storybook Land. He was dressed up as a lady. <laughs> and Bob Riley was working the boards in Fantasyland in uniform. I would be up on the steam train. Uh, and, and casual employees would be paid. Card Walker and Don Tatum would be racing down Main Street uh, uh, on the, the fire engine and the omnibus. <laughs> uh, and other members of the studio, but Card and Don almost always would come down and other half a dozen other members. And management would staff the rides and the attractions on Main Street, Fantasyland, and Tomorrowland uh, for uh, uh, for the others. And it was you'd work a two-hour, three-hour, four-hour shift in uniform. And, but but the big thing is uh, the the Disney characters. And, and here's a thing I want to mention because I re- remember going back and I researched it. What costume? Did Walt Disney wear only once at one party and at that party that we had in 64? Hmm. I have Uh, no idea. You can think of all the costumes you have and and they're on size. But when we did the uh, turning back, forget it, just think about that for a second. But One of the procedures we had on the Disneyland Organizational Development Program, all top executives and new hires went through an organizational development program. The beginning first two or three were for three months, and then they were for a month. But all of these people, one of the things that they had to do, and this was all put on the calendar, the three or four days they spent at Disneyland, they would go in and the very first thing that they would go after they went around to a couple of the offices, they would go down to the character dressing room. They would watch films of the Disney, various Disney characters. And then we would put them in the Disney characters. Uh, Chip and Dale uh, were easy to do. Mickey, no one but Paul Castle or the other two could be Mickey. But Pluto and Goofy, you didn't want to be the big bad wolf or you didn't want to be Captain Hook unless you wore shin guards because the little children would kick you <laughs> and hurt you, you know, and, and but they would be. And that was a program. Now, what did all of those people say? All of the questionnaires at the end, they talked about one of the most fun and exciting things that they ever saw was when they put on a mask, you know. They put on a mask, a costume, and they walked around in Fantasyland uh, with assistance with with uh, people, you know, with them. And and they had a tour of Fantasyland. Well, the the most popular thing uh, in '63 and '64 and '65 uh, was to uh, people wanted to wear the Disney costumes. Management people. Well, I can tell you that. Uh, uh, Dick Nunes made a good Winnie the Pooh in, in the December party of 19, uh, 1965. That's when it, we, we went on the tour on the 11th. Mm-hmm. But, but Nunes, that's what he were in because you could, you could be in there. Anybody could, it, it was easy to be Chip and Dale or Thumper or Flower because you're just in a costume 
that covers you up head to toe with, with small eyes. But there are other, other costumes. And Walt, I, I, I was flabbergasted, uh, but, uh, that was Walt wanted to do it. And so Tommy let me know. And, uh, because I was in charge of the character costumes, uh, with Bill Justice and in coordinating the tours and things. So Lella Eason, who was wardrobe manager, we set up a special area with three different costumes in back of the fantasy theater. It was closed. And that's where all the, the there was a dressing area, uh, portable dressing area out there for the costumes and the harnesses that they use and the stands for the heads, etc. And we had three costumes for for Walt to choose from. And they, of course, they were all new <laughs> in real good shape. <laughs> we brought them right out. And Walt selected one of those to go in so he could go out. And uh, just for a little bit, he just went out for, for about a half hour. Uh, and, and, and he came back in and, uh, and, uh, Lella and I and I think Nunes and maybe three other people knew because uh, they, they people were out and we were in the back and uh, Walt and uh, well Walt was one of the characters and he loved it hmm. and you want to know what character he oh, was absolutely well think about if you're Walt. You would like to be one of the, the the big bad wolf, but the pigs kick you, and we didn't want to do that because Walt had enough. But he was the right size for that. But then has a big open face. Mm-hmm. And then there's Goofy. See, now, that's the one I was Mickey, thinking. Mickey, Pluto, and Goofy. Uh, you know, Mickey, Pluto, and Goofy uh, are. And then you add Donald, and you add Minnie, and that's the five that are closest to the heart mm-hmm. but Walt loved dogs and he lost his dog but the, the one that conceals you the most because it has the eyes that nobody and there's no braces or stuff the easiest is the is the Pluto outfit because uh-huh. it's big shoes that you you good on like that you sleep on and the pants come all the way down and it's regular pants with a, just a little padding at the knees and then the the arms have a little padding on them like that but the head is a soft head and it has it, it has a helmet that comes down and sits so his back problems and those kind of issues and also Pluto can do about anything you know Pluto's walking around it can skip and it can dance it can pat little kids on the hand but nobody can see who's inside with Goofy if you get up close to it, you can see that there's that screen coming down out of his mouth mm. where, where, where he's looking. And, uh, and of course the wolf wouldn't, but Walt, Walt and a companion, uh, not, not Lily, but, uh, a, uh, it wasn't Diane or Sharon. I think he had hoped that Diane or Sharon could do it but there, but he just went out for a little while. Wow. And, and I forgot all about that. Uh, and I, I don't think I've told anybody except my daughter and my ex-wife years <laughs> ago that, that 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 was a special thing. And and I think he said, you know, don't make a big thing out of it because everybody would be going around in years from now because he 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 
he, he just wanted, I'm, I'm not saying being silly. He just wanted that point of view. Yeah. Yeah. I could see him as Pluto, just sort of glumping around, having fun. <laughs> now, well, I, Winnie the Pooh uh-huh. can be silly, seeing all that yeah. stuff, uh-huh. but there, there's too much weight and in, in, in the distribution and movement. Yeah. And, and, and Pluto, uh, Pluto and, and Captain Hook's got too much paraphernalia all around him. And, 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 and Goofy just, just wouldn't work out. Although, although anyone that's seen all the Goofy, uh, Mr. Wheeler, Mr. Wheeler, Mr. Driver, and some of those old features on Goofy would. <laughs> so now I, I know in, in your different, um, roles and projects you worked on, you, you had many talks, interactions, meetings with Walt. What was what are some of the, your your best memories and things that you learned from Walt? Well, you know, Walt Walt taught me patience, and and to and to finish the project, to do it as best you can. Like on the train, you you know you said board, and then you said all aboard at the end, and you waved your arm in a certain way, uh, and you know the complete of the show. Walt proved that you should finish the thing because, well, the example of uh, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, not it, it, everybody would have loved just to, to been open like that. And, and well, Walt had a son or a brother who would find the money to keep things going. The first thing that he ever did was flowers. Right in the middle of it, it was black and white. He decided to do it in color. Well, it won him his first Academy Award because he turned it in color. And everybody knows when Davy Crockett's series came out midway through the first production of the, of the, of the first of the three that they were going to do, uh, he said, no, we're going to go back and do it again in color. It'll be important. Well, how successful was the Davy Crockett thing? We, we ended up doing five and it ended up being a feature and it ended up being shown at least 10 times on the world of color or one of those segments. But oh, yeah. do and, it that- and do it right. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, at the World's Fair, when he ref- he's got the the governor out there, and he got all of Illinois and all the press, and he says, "I'm not going to show it to you today because it's it's not just right." Uh, when we were filming Pirates of the Caribbean uh, uh, late later on, uh, while Walt wasn't around, the people said, "Hey, Walt, uh, these things aren't working just right," and they were saying, "We can shoot around it." We, we cut down production and went back and said, no, we'll come back tomorrow and have all the stuff working right. Uh, but, but to finish the job and, and, and I want to see people. I want to see people having fun. I, I wanted to see that personality, uh, and, and, and families. And, and, you know, that's, that's what he wanted to see. And in our skits and in our routines, and that's what the characters were designed for originally. Uh, the people would be standing in line, so let's entertain them. Let, let's have something go on. It's called pre-show. You know, you, you, people stand in line to get in an attraction, but while they're standing in line, in a lot of cases, they have a pre-show, actually, that's programmed for that in the column that you're in line in. But but out in Fantasyland, you don't have that. And then with success of Mary Poppins and the money that was bringing in and, and the new characters that we were doing, uh, I, I, I just remember, uh, Walt was always saying, how can we improve? How can we improve? 
how can we do a better job? Uh, how can we update it? You know, Tomorrowland being updated. But uh, Fantasyland's been updated four times, and rides have been moved from place to place or added. And now the changes that they made in them are, are marvelous. But he just taught me to have patience and do it right and keep your place clean and neat. Uh, we had the Let's Pick It Up Club. <laughs> People talked about that. Who else would have sweepers going up and down the street on one side and then come back again? And, and, and you know, the, the idea that you should not be able to walk down Main Street and be able to see a piece of paper, and five minutes later, that paper better not be there. And in restrooms in particular, and Walt said, your office is out here. That place that you go sit down in and look at papers and do that, that's that's a place where you go. You are to be out in your office where the people are and helping them. And that was management strategy. And uh, when we would be doing a show or a parade or something, the rides and attractions are going on. And then all of a sudden, that time hits or that whistle and management comes out of their office, and we start setting up 1,500 seats in front of uh, 20,000 leagues under the sea uh, or the Tomorrowland stage for the show. And when it's over with, management is out there picking up the pieces and paper and and cleaning the place up, and it's spick and span. And, and, and Walt said he doesn't ever want to walk into a bathroom uh, and, and see a management or anybody in there that's an employee uh, leave anything on the floor, even that another guest is left. You you walk in, you see three towels that are stuck out on the floor. You pick them up, you stuff them in. You go do your business. You wash your hands. Takes thirty seconds. Uh, I'm afraid, and and it's getting to take uh, memos and memos and memos uh, as we forget that's our house. And Walt used the story. You've got a rich old aunt or uncle, and they're coming to visit with you, and they're going to leave their money to you or to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> you or another cousin or a nephew. And what would you do? You know, you want to make them feel at home and, and this and that, and especially when you're at their home. But the, but the park and the rides and attractions and the exhibits – uh, that's your family out there. Be with them. Take time with them. Smile at them. And, and that's why you've got a name tag with your name on it that says Bob or George or so-and-so. There's no misters or sirs out there except that Mr. Toad. Mm -hmm. It's true. And I think it's that philosophy that makes Disneyland so special for all of us. I mean, you even see guests bending down and picking up paper yeah. and throwing it away. Yeah. Because it, and, and back in the days when, when I was there, uh, the football teams from uh, Texas and the football teams from Georgia, because we had a lot of people from Texas and Georgia that were influential, like from Doc Lamont and and, uh, and, and going back to uh, the guys at SC. Uh, and, and these people were out of school early. The, the, the sweeps on Main Street and Fantasyland. You could go in those areas and there would be zones where members of that football team uh, had, had Main Street or they had Fantasyland. Frontierland were the California schools, the California uh, guys that play football for California. 
Um, but uh, the it was a it was a place where you could sit down and and munch on some popcorn and 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 see a lot of giggles and laughs going on. And the purpose waltz says, if you see that, you ought to be good for one or two giggles yourself. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, he, he had little sayings, and he would the first person that he would see in the old days, if you were in supervision, you wore an orange tie. You know, there was a period about. 59, 60, 61, where he didn't know everybody, you know, because he wasn't spending as much time out there. And the first person that he would see in uniform that he knew, he'd go say, you know, that sign over there is getting kind of run down, blah, blah, blah. You know, and that's all you'd have to say. Nobody would make a big deal out of it. That guy would go talk to his boss on his first break and say, Walt came by and said, the, the banner is ragged at the Main Street Cinema. It looks like it needs to be, you know, so, so or that poster looks kind of outdated, or, uh, uh, you know, if God forbid somebody got sick in a restroom, everybody knew where that emergency closet was, where you would go in with that compound, and that was the job to go in, open the compound, put the compound around, and put that circle out of order on it, mm-hmm. and then go out and and and, and uh, catch the, the, the first person you knew from that you you wouldn't go back from a break you would do that first then you would go on your break and just say Mm -hmm. i had an emergency i had to help or i was helping a guest that was the one excuse if you were coming back from the breaks that was accepted if somebody's walking by you and they're asking you a question because you're in a uniform you stop and say yes sir how yes ma'am how can i help you And, and laugh and smile i'll be happy to take care of that for you now, you were there at Disneyland for Walt's last visit. So how did that go? Well, there's a question as to what the last visit was. I was there for both of them. Uh, archives is saying it doesn't show Walt being there. Well, I, uh, there, the, the two were the, the 14th of October, uh, 1966. Walt had invited uh, the... Uh, group from Valley Forge, the uh, Women's Auxiliary for Freedom Foundation at Valley Forge, were bringing uh, the Congressional Medal of Honor winners out here. Walt invited them all over to Disneyland because he wanted to host them, showing them first great moments with Mr. Lincoln and talking about a few questions and then having hostesses and special assistants. We had some extra um, nurses and aides and stuff along. Uh, they came in the back way uh, over by maintenance and uh, they came up in the uh, the bus, the omnibus, and others walked and, and some were pushed in things. They saw great moments with Mr. Lincoln and walked, uh, and I recorded this. I, I had the tape of it. Jack Lindquist was there and they had a little tag that they put on and the little tag said, good for all rides and attractions. Well, it also had that other thing below it. <laughs> that's always when people have a private party and everything is free, but there's always one thing that's not free. And Walt says, Jack, come up here. This is after they saw Mr. Lincoln and after he had talked with him about their sacrifice. He says, who do we have with us today? He says, well, Congressional Medal of Honor winners. 
And Waller said something like, military. Hell yeah, military. Like, what does this, would you, what does this thing say? Let me read it to you. And Walt reads it. It says, this is good for all rides and attractions in the park, except the shooting gallery. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is military, Congressional Medal of Honor. And, and, and Walt just looks at him because I remember it. And, I, and I've got it on my tapes because I was asked to, to do that by Tommy a long time ago. But he says, Walt, that's rescinded right away. <laughs> and Walt is telling him about the new plaza in down here and the new menu. And we just spent a million and a half dollars and he knows it's good. And, and he recommends, uh, he recommends they have a cafeteria side and they have an order side. He says, just help yourself and go over. And he was going to meet them later, uh, at the, uh, the Tiki room. Mm-hmm. He wanted to show them the Tiki room. But that's one. That's on the 24th. Jack Lindquist, myself, uh, several people from um, uh, the Freedom's Foundation at Valley Forge uh, with their, the lady that's in charge. And uh, I think that it, that, that it was the week after that on the 24th. But I know it was the we were cl- the park was closed. And usually you start closing in mid-September on Mondays and Tuesdays. Uh, there's some question, but we were doing an Eastman Kodak commercial, and we were also doing a shoot where the uh, Life magazine uh, was doing a, a two-page color spread on their new uh, color TV, RCA. J. Walter Thompson represents them. J. Walter Thompson represents us. J. Walter Thompson represents Ford. J. Walter Thompson represents Kodak. Ham was doing a commercial to show Walt with this new Kodak Instamatic type camera that you take and put in and put it in and click and shoot. And we had built a special stage over the plaza where Walt is now with Mickey. That used to be a flower area that changed uh, three times a year, four different types of flowers. But we had covered it when we did the hot air balloon re- release and the around the world in 80 days helium balloon release with the Picard family. And we had used it for special grad nights as a radio station location. So we put a platform over that. And that was a platform where Walt could walk up, stand on the platform, point the camera towards the castle, and shoot the characters coming out of the castle. And they had all of the characters. We had 40-some-odd characters coming out. Usually it was the 25 basic ones, but we had the Christmas because it was a two-minute commercial that would be used for the Eastwind Kodak Academy Awards thing that was done in February or maybe it was March, but it was a two-minute, or the possibility that it would be used for the December 18th show on Fantasy on Parade. We were showing the 65 Fantasy on Parade that had all the characters. I I just know that I had had a walkthrough with Ham and uh, Max uh, uh, a month and a half before, and I had had the, uh, the guys from the agency come out and uh, Mickey uh, McGuire was going to be the photographer for this 
shot of Walt and all the characters around him, which were in the TV set and around the TV set, showing the true color. This was the second in the series. So it was an all-day shoot. It was Monday. We had cranes on the field. I got a call uh, about two days before saying, Walt, uh, we'll, be, we'll meet you uh, in, in the City Hall office behind City Hall. Well, that's Tommy Walker's office that had been let go in in, in February or in in, in mid July, uh, and I didn't. Well, you know, to go through the, the whole schedule because we were also going to do this some stills of, of Walt and the Disney um, management people with children and stuff like that, and we were doing the Mickey McGuire shoot, and that that had an agency rep and the, and the two girls that were going to be the in, in the picture that are in the picture. It came out on December 9th, 1966, Life Magazine. Mm-hmm. And um, all of the characters were coming out, and Walt had a, uh, to do makeup, and and he just needed to be filled in, they said. And I didn't understand it because it never happened before, but uh, they said, Walt will be there meeting by 8.30 in front of City Hall. So at 8 o'clock, I was there walking around, and the stretch-out came in by Hell's Brothers Gate. And then I run back by City Hall, and I waited for Walt to come over, and uh, said hello, and he put his hand on my my, my shoulder. We turned around, and uh, we're just talking, and we went back into Tommy Walker's empty office, uh, with everything taken down, but the chairs and stuff, and uh, Walt uh, just his first thing is was how's things going. Uh, I was afraid he would talk about Tommy or something because he knew that I was with Tommy all the time on, when we were seeing dealies and at meetings and stuff, I was taking notes and I was kind of Tommy's assistant because couldn't trust Tommy to remember what we had agreed to do or what he was going to do. So I was by his side at a lunch with Walt or with the dailies with Walt. So, uh, I was afraid that Walt would ask about how Tommy's doing. Well, I met with Tommy. Because uh, he had opened an office over at the Disneyland Hotel, and I'd met with him since he had been uh, uh, asked to leave the company. And uh, I didn't get into that, and Walt and I started talking about, okay, let's go through what we're going to do. And and he knew as much about it as I did. And uh, he, I said, uh, I understand the makeup man's going to be coming by. He said, yeah, he'll be by about uh, 9:30. My calls for 10. So. We talked and then we uh, started talking about Tomorrowland and the things that were going on at Tomorrowland because it was all torn up and uh, the new Tomorrowland was coming in. It wouldn't come in until middle of the next year, but a third of it was already shut down or in the process for new Tomorrowland. And we talked about that. And then we talked about Christmas because I brought up that we had more money to do the rest of the floats that we didn't have time to do. For the previous year, Walt said yes, and I had talked about well, we found an old uh, we found an old beat up Model T truck that we can use for a dog house uh, dog catcher's place instead of using the the one that we used the first year we made a dog house. So he said, "Hey, that's great," and and I said, "Yeah, it belonged to one of the employees back there, and we got it for about eight hundred dollars. You know, picked it up, and we'll make it into a dog catcher." It would be easier to do the act of the of Pluto going up and, and 
opening the latch and the dog's running out and the dog catcher oh, who is yeah. up with the driver running, trying to catch, catch the dogs. It's really a dog act. And, uh, and we talked about that. And then Walt said, I used to drive an old truck like that. And we started talking about World War II, him with the, uh, Red Cross at the end of the mm-hmm. war. He was there in France for the armistice. And, uh, he was driving. I said, well, when I was a kid, my favorite thing was that my dad had an old, uh, had her no Model T, and we talked about Model T's and old cars, and, and that the, we had to. Ba- I said you needed to back it up in the low gear. He said no, you don't back it up because of the low gear is stronger on a hill. He said it's because of the gas tank. I said that's right. I keep forgetting that. And, and we talked about that, and he said that there had been an explosion on that old thing, and he had had a slight injury. We just, we just talked about it. So then we talked some more about the Christmas parade. And, and we talked about, uh, the Walt Disney World, what the things that we're, we're going to be doing there. And, uh, and then he asked me about the train. And I said, well, Walt, I go up to the train almost every day. And he said, you know, I still think that's the best job in the park. I said, well, I, I said, I, I've never worked anyplace else. And he said, he said, nobody would ever hire me. I never forget. He says, I, I had to form my own company. Nobody would ever hire me. <laughs> uh, and, and, and that, and I said, Walt, I've been so blessed. I said, working in the, on the train up there and, and getting to know everybody and meeting my wife here and, and, and things like that. Then he had asked, uh, about, uh, in, anything special. I said, no, the Christmas, we're, we're working on Christmas right now. And, uh, we're, uh, we're, we're looking forward. I said, uh, uh, with things with things of changing, we're going to be moving into the new building, uh, the first of the year, uh, and uh, I says we're all looking forward to that. And we'll have a major sound studio there and room to move around. And he said, "Well, thank God for Mary Poppins." I mean, he you know, and, and then we started laughing about it because I I bought him a bottle of scotch the night that we did the Mary Poppins premiere because I was. Black and white scotch was his, what he drank. And I knew that because my father-in-law drank black and white. Tom Walker drank black and white. <laughs> and uh, they had tried to get me to start drinking scotch instead of uh, drinking uh, a, a 77, you know, a kid's drink. Mm-hmm. That, that would always give you a headache in the morning. <laughs> and uh, uh, Walt, uh, it was just... Uh, uh, at the premiere, uh, I had, I had leased the, uh, ambassador, the, not the ambassador, the Roosevelt suite across from Grumman's Chinese theater to use. And, uh, it was a place where if Walt needed to, he could change clothes because we had a meeting the night before that Walt came down. And, and, and that's when I picked up the, a bottle of scotch and some stuff for him so he could go up in between our meeting with them and, and there. And he and Card went up there and, uh, they fortunately they left some for me. So, um, Walt was, um, um, and the, and the, there, there are the, 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 the humor that he always had and, and, and always the worry that there are people. He would look out at that gate when he would come up. If he spent the night in, in his apartment up there, 
The next morning, he would be out looking to see if people were coming in. And, and, and he was concerned about employees. You know, in those days, you traveled, I don't care if you were the white wing on Main Street, everybody traveled the same class, first class. Not a, not by distance, but if you were going just a short place, if you were just going to, to Denver, uh, or if you were running across the country, you traveled first class. And when we, we were away on, on, on business for a couple of weeks, 10, 12 days, uh, one of the things that we had to do is call home every night, uh, on the, on the company. I want you to call home and tell your wife how you are, so and so, and say hello to your kids. That was a requirement. Also on your expense account, a bottle of your favorite refreshment after work is sitting there. And that was thing. And you got, in those days, it was a $15 a day per diem when you were away. Uh, uh, it, but usually you never had to spend any money uh, on anything. But if you were gone more than uh, that 10-day, 12-day period of time, like when we were opening uh, Walt Disney World, you would fly home for four days first class. Or your wife would fly out to meet you first class mm-hmm. and stay with you, and the company would give you a private apartment for the four days that your wife could be with you. But Walt insisted on taking because it said, "Hey, they'll work harder." You know, that's true. I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to have any. I mean, and, and he was serious about it. Mm-hmm. It's how he wanted to be treated, and and and, and the children, and and I get. I get way off when I get talking about it, but <laughs> all those things he stressed. He says, remember, you got to take care of everybody. You know, the foreman should be the last one to take the break when it, when it, when it's tight. You know, uh, you, you should make sure that you're taking care of the guest. And even though the guest is wrong, it's city hall. In the old days, city hall handled problems. And there were times when the one girl down there wasn't able to handle it and Mary Wormhout who managed things for her. Tommy's secretary couldn't handle it, needed more help. And Bob Allen would be down there or Chuck Course would be down there or Bob Mathis would be down there or I would be down there helping with the people. And and there's a long line. Here's a ticket book and here's a pass and we're sorry, we apologize. Mm -hmm. Even though they may be wrong, don't argue with them. Mm -hmm. Their intent to return is the most important thing in the world. And if you take a negative and turn it into a positive, he had ways of saying it. He, he just saying, take care of the guest. Now, how did you learn about Walt Disney's passing? I was driving in. It was early in the morning. I had just got into the Harbor Gate, and I was right at the Harbor Gate listening to uh, KFI News, I believe. And, and they came on and announced his death. And boy... I just stood there and the guys were listening to the radio. The security guys came out and then I drove on in underneath a pass and went over and, and, uh, everybody, I went to see who was in the employees cafeteria. If they knew, they knew. Um, I went and called my wife. She was crying. Uh, I think that's what everybody did. They went to, called her wife or their other member of the family or others. And then we just got in a stupor and, uh, uh, we went, uh, and group, groups of us would, you, you wanted to go around and, and, and walk through the park. I did. 
I've been MOD a few times, manager on duty, uh, filling in for somebody or, or for a zone. And um, uh, you, you just wanted to go around and see everybody. And so everybody w- did what they did in their office and stuff and then kind of went out and walked around the park. And I think most people were trying to remember, you know, to, to find out more about it. But they were also trying to remember the time that they had walked down the street with Walt or Walt had got on the mon- in the monorail with them. Uh, I-, I think because in talking with several of them, everybody would remember the time that Walt was in the cafeteria that day when we were doing the filming and, and was sitting down. Or they'll remember that when Walt sat down at the popcorn thing and was eating popcorn and, and, and waiting for the characters. Um uh, everybody was remembering and, and there, there were tears, uh, and, and, and then there was the let's get together and the department heads all got, uh, by mid afternoon, all got their people together and said, Hey, here's a note we got from the studio. We're not going to close. We're not going to close the park. We're going to stay open. That's Roy's instructions, and that's right from Walt. Uh, we're going to celebrate Walt, and we're going to continue by taking care of the guest a little special today. And and I want more people out at the main gate as the people are leaving uh, to be there to talk to the guest. And I don't care if it takes two hours to sweep the park. Normally, it takes about a half hour. You sweep it from the back and with security and managing people and that kind of stuff. I don't, you know, we might start cleaning up later than usual. We're gonna, we're gonna sit there and talk to the people and, uh, be yourself. And, um, it, uh, the, the tour guides, uh, I can remember being down talking to them because they were my buddies, my friends and, they didn't want to take tours, but we took small tours. We took small tours. You, instead of getting waiting for 15, if you get seven or eight or nine, take them like that. And then they say, uh, I'm dedicating this tour to walk, walk. And that, um, and then of course, uh, the, 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 the watering holes at the Disneyland hotel were completely packed that night. And wives joined their husbands and, uh, and had, had a toast to Walt. And, uh, that's what, uh, that's what we did. Well, thank you, Ben. And I think that one of the things that makes Disneyland special is that I think we can all still feel the spirit of Walt in that park because he, he had a hand in everything that that is there that exists today and also because his spirit continued on in people like you that continued to make that park special and i wanted to thank you for sharing your experiences with us in the early years of disneyland and i hope you'll be back with us to talk about the rest of your career because there's so much more that you've done so thank you so much for being with us tonight. Well, thank, thanks for listening to me. I, my, my good days as the announcer on the train, they were still my fun, most fun days. 
uh, those two or three visits uh, where I had meeting with Walt uh, uh, during the shoot and having lunch with him <laughs> and, and him scolding me, he says, where's my lunch ticket? <laughs> and, 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 and he says, give me my chit. And, you know, and he's looking at me and he's laughing at the table. I'm, Ham is laughing and I'm standing up there. And, and so I reached in and pulled out one of these tickets that I'd given to all the department heads and, and the crew. And then, then and I said, go ahead, you know, well, go ahead. No, he insisted that I go first. But he says, I, I, you, you should remember, I'm principal. I'm principal on this. I should have gotten this tag. <laughs> so he had his chili and his chili size and, and stuff and came over. And I sat down with him and he's sitting down right next to me. And we just reminisced. He would laugh. And it, 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 I'm not saying he had a way of looking, just looking in a little grin just for a second. Mm-hmm. When you've seen me and you know that I've seen you, and hi, and I got you. <laughs> and and uh, at, at the studio, sitting down at his table with Tommy Walker and Walt going through and lecturing me on how to take care of the pigeons uh, from one of the films that they had and stuff and a reminder. Because he always said, you're, hey, you, and, and it was train, pigeons, balloons, Fireworks, banners, signs, you know, and, you know, if somebody needed things, call Ben. And, and, and I was smart enough to, to get the people together that did all the work, the key heads and buy them lunch. Well, the company did and we solved the problems. And that's what Walt told you. Get with the people that know what they're doing. Ask for their help. Don't tell them. They'll get, they'll, they'll get it better for, than you thought you could ever do it. And, and that's the way that the crews of maintenance and operations and security and first aid and general, all those people made me look good. And, I, and, they, and they gave me a nice title and I had a nice living. And uh, the best thing in the world was the memories of Disneyland. When I, when you get older in your 70s, you think about the most fun you ever had. And, and there's no question it was those days on the train and those days uh, walking around Disneyland. Yeah. Well, and thank you for, for making those days special for us when you work there. And I think that image of Walt with that boyish grin on his face with his favorite bowl of chili is a great image to end this show. So that concludes, you betcha. So that concludes this segment of the Diz Unplugged. Please listen to our other segments this week. Thank you for listening, and I only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing, that it was all started by a man, Walt Disney. Thank you. Thank you.